Now this morning, I want you to open your Bible to the 50th Psalm as we begin the message. I'm entitling the message, Only Trust Him, Only Trust Him. I want you to reminisce. You know, the, the songs of yesteryear, a lot of them made it a hundred years, some of them 200 years. And there has to be a reason for that because today's songs make it two months to uh, maybe 10 years. And one of the songs that have sustained uh, itself for many, many years since 1874 is an old hymn called Only Trust Him, Only Trust Him. How many of you ever sang that song before? Well, that's a, quite a good number. Remember the words, come every soul that sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. Has it gotten relevant yet in these words? Let me read them one more time. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. The chorus, only trust him, only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He'll save you now. No wonder it's relevant. No wonder it's real. What soul is here today that has not dealt with sin this week? Without any show of hands, rhetorical question, but how many of, of us would say Satan has certainly been alive this week? I took some detours, and he was on the detour. And you'd say, you know, I can identify with that song from 1874. But listen to the psalmist. You know, he was a songwriter, too. And David wrote in the 50th Psalm, verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Turn over to the ninth psalm and let me read to you the 10th verse. And they that know thy name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, has not forsaken those that seek you. How clear. Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Anybody here need to take three deep breaths, sit still for a moment, and just know that he's God? Is anybody here today other than me that would say, I just have my difficult times? Is there some that might have just kind of dropped in church today and and you'd say the last five months, five years, or 25 years have been very, very tough. And it seems like that everything I started out on has crumbled. All my dreams have faded away. My true love is not there any longer. My career did not turn out like I wanted it to be and what I was trained to do. I mean, we could just go on and on with that, but is it not a word of relevance to only trust him, to only trust him. Be still and know that I am God. You know, sometimes I think it becomes more difficult to trust God than it is to obey God. 
Now, to obey, God says it, that settles it, you do it. To trust him, you analyze what he said and determine whether it's relevant to you or not. And most of the time, we make a terrible mistake because it is relevant or he wouldn't have said it. But by the same token, our very nature is to just question everything. Matter of fact, for a lot of people, that makes them intelligent. They don't know any answers, but they know why all the other stuff won't work. And they question everything that comes in their mind. And they say, well, intelligent people, they just uh, study things. They just make sure that it's right. And they just don't jump in anything. Let me tell you, I can tell you about some situations. You better be able to act quicker than that. That you won't have four years to make up your mind. In four years, your life will be history. You need to learn how to move and move quickly. To be still and know that he is God and then to move forward under the power of his direction. And I can say to those that are younger than me, and that's most of you, you can expect, you can expect to encounter adversity in your life forever that you're on this planet. Your problems aren't older when you graduate from high school, nor college, nor graduate school, nor get your first job, nor get married, nor have children. No, they will not be over. This, the Bible says this world is filled with trouble, and we will not escape it. But in the fact that we won't escape it, then we need to know how do we deal with it when that time comes. We need to quit going around the issue. We need to deal with the issue. We need to quit making excuses for why we are like we are and start doing something to change. If any of you would say, I'm living the easy life, everything is just fine, I tell you, th things have never been better. Could I just tell you that you really do need to take three deep breaths and rethink that. There's not a person here that doesn't need God today. I mean, right now, we're one heartbeat away from eternity. And none of us know what another day is going to bring. And, and we like the long-range plan. I'm studying to be a whatever. I tell every one of our young people that I see, if I talk to them, I don't care if they're that tall or they're seniors in high schools, I beg them, do not be a follower of a movement. Be who you are. Follow only Jesus, and you be a leader, not a follower. The world's got enough followers. You can get people to come together, do anything you want to march to do. But we need some leaders in this country. And, and God needs some leaders in these last days. And leaders stand firm on truth. And he is truth. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Don't worry about what other people are doing. What are you doing? Well, I'm criticizing those that are doing something. Well, some of them need criticizing. Some of them need prayer. Some of them need encouragement. Some need some direction. But here is the point. Whenever you develop an idea that when fashions change, you change. When the key place to go eat changes, that's where you go eat. When the number one movie comes out, that's what you go see. When everybody starts going this way, here you are. Where can I get season tickets? I've got to go. I want to do it. Because why? I'm a follower. Jesus wasn't a follower. 
He said, what the Father tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And what he says to us, be still and know that I am God, and I will lead you into righteousness for my name's sake, and I will bless you and use you for my glory. Now, some of us, we get so involved with our own difficulties, and seemingly we're having so much fun with it, we decide we'll get involved with everybody else's difficulties. You know, just calls me. If you ever need anything, just call me. You know, I'm in it right now, and you can jump in here with me. Better be careful about that. There comes a time to lead. There comes a time to just be still and know that he's God. There comes a time when you just need to get off of this, I'm all things to all people. What you need to do is to trust God and follow him and watch what he does and watch where he leads. When one hurts, we all hurt, rightfully so. However, we cannot take God's place in people's lives that when we go through the valley, God must go with us to get us out of the valley. And encouragement is a gift. But to try to solve other people's problems, you better be careful. Especially if that person is in rebellion against God and that's their problem, but you want to try to teach them how they can live in rebellion to God and still make it. You don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. Watch the news. Get stressed out. I've never seen so many anxiety pills on the market in my life. I mean, every few minutes I can buy another pill. And uh, once the bottle's empty, I can send it back, the bottle, you know, for a total refund or whatever. I mean, that just, that gives me a headache just trying to keep up with that. But we just go on and go on and go on. Somebody said that whoever labels our generation may call us the age of anxiety. The age of anxiety. We just are so caught up in stress. And, and just don't know what I'm going to do, except I know one thing, I'm going to get mad. And I am going to let it go. And I am going to try to, in the midst of my rebellion, try to help others get in here with me so we can all rebel. And we may can start another riot that somebody hasn't started yet or hadn't thought of. And God is saying to all of his children, did you ever talk... I didn't have a brother or sister, okay, but I had cousins that I stayed with that had brothers and sisters. I remember several times when, when dad would come in and tell the brother and the sister, you go to your room, I'm going to talk to and put my cousin's name in the blocks. It seemed like it was going to be a personal encounter <laughs> that didn't really need the brothers and sisters' advice or counsel. And it wasn't always a happy day. But I know that there's sometimes it was a happy day when you didn't want to build up one child and other two feel like they weren't loved. But you know what? God has a way of just coming to his kids and saying, spend some time with me. The psalmist leads me beside the still water, the green pastures, restores my soul. There's, there's a reason for that psalm being very popular among even secular people that love the 23rd psalm but I can be honest with you and tell you that good God-fearing honest people 
oftentimes ask the question, where is God? That is not a bad question. By the very fact that you say, where is God, you're saying that I believe in God because he's got to be somewhere. So that's a little encouragement. But the thing that you must understand and that I must understand is that God says, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. So, Lord, here is where I am right now, and I don't seem to find you here. And the Lord would say, why don't you move over here? Why don't you go back to church? Why don't you go to a prayer meeting? And by the way, in the morning at 11 o'clock, I will meet with those that want to come and pray from 11 to 12 in the West Wing. It's not a large group, but it's a sincere group. We will be sharing with that group exactly what God does today and be praying for some things. But you see, you've got to look at your itinerary and get rid of the, of the minor stuff. You know, make it mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter, okay? And just say, I am going to focus on things that really have eternal significance. And I'm not going to go crazy because I can't find my cell phone. I'm just not going to be in that breaking down, nervous breakdown bunch. I'm just going to just enjoy somebody that's in the same room with me. Can you imagine such a thing? To actually be in a room with somebody that's more important than everybody on your cell phone. I mean, that's a real rare thing. If you talk to anybody for 15 minutes and they don't interrupt you to talk to somebody that's more important than you on their cell phone, you just haven't lived. You just have to, you haven't caught on to what's going on. Don't worry if you tore your dress coming to church. Don't worry about somebody opening a door into your car out there. Don't worry about it. We got great body works people in the church. They'll be glad to put it back together. <laughs> Don't worry about the guy that cut in front of you and cut you off and you just did everything. You know, you had honk if you love Jesus and you honked. <laughs> in fact, you kind of leaned on the horn, if you know what I mean. And before you give anybody advice about tomorrow, could I remind you of a scripture I have to remind myself of all the time? Proverbs 27, 1. You know what it says? You don't know what a day may bring forth. So don't give people advice for tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no conscious idea of what tomorrow holds. But we do know who holds tomorrow. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm trying to get you to trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him. He will save you. What does that mean? It means if you fall down, he'll pick you up. Amen. He will carry you if you can't make it on your own. That's the kind of God he is. And the ultimate journey is he will take us to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Sometimes the curtain of life is not thin like these drapes. It's thick. It's like a barrier. It's like a wall. It's greater than any wall in a prison that keeps us away from God's plan for our life. We're never going to be immune from pain. We're never going to be immune from testing. We're never going to be immune from suffering. We're never going to have everything that we've always wanted. Listen to Psalm 32:10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But listen, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. 
He didn't say he'll change it. But he said, I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to lead you. I am not going to forsake you. But if you choose to go the way that everybody else goes, and you're going to wonder, where's the group gathering tonight? Where are we going to march tonight? What are we going to do tonight? The way thereof is not good. When we use the phrase, can you trust God? It has two possible meanings. Number one, can you trust God? Is he dependable? Is he dependable in time of adversity? Is he dependable? Have you found him to be dependable? If you've lived a, a while, you've gone through adversity. Did you find his grace sufficient? Did, did he lead you to this moment? And number two, do you have such a relationship with God and such confidence in him, even though that you believe he is with you in your adversity, and even though you do not see any evidence of his presence or his power, you still say, I trust him. I don't see the answer. I've talked to everybody I know. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what to do. Can you say, like Job, if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. I am not going to waver. Do you remember Paul pleaded three times? Three times. Yeah, it's Apostle Paul that wrote much of the, of the New Testament. He had a thorn in his flesh. And most of us that have been around the Bible a long time, we've, we've got a whole box full of thorns. You know, we've used this one and this one and this one and this one. But he had a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed, God, take away the pain. I think it's interesting that in Hebrews that uh, we don't know who wrote the book. Some say I know, but scholars say they argue who wrote the book of Hebrews. You say, well, I'll text it to you this afternoon, Pastor, so you'll know. <laughs> Let me just assure you that the authorities still question. And I think it's probably good because you can't pin it on any one author. You can say, I could have wrote Hebrews. <laughs> I could have wrote some of that stuff. I know what they were going through. I've been there, done that. Have the blue star and the gold star for that. I know that life can get rough and storms come on the godly and the ungodly. But I'm going to trust him. I am going to trust him. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful. Are you there today? Are you at the moment this morning that you could say, Pastor, without telling you anything, I just want you to know, I can identify with that. I'm in a time right now where I'm hurting. I'm in a time right now where I don't understand. I'm in a time right now, quite frankly, I get mad at God. Could I let you in on a secret? God can handle it. Okay? He can handle it. He can handle your emotions. He can handle your temper fit. You know, babies that cry at funerals and babies that cry at weddings, they usually survive. The, the mother doesn't get rid of them when they get them out of the building. 
And God can handle you and he can handle me. But that still does not put aside the very serious fact is that many of us are in a horrible situation this morning and you know and God knows that it's because you're not walking with God. You're planning rebellion. You're conniving. How can I do something spiritually that'll hurt somebody else? Can, how can I show my friend that I don't have to have them anymore? All of those things come in our mind. Not because we're bad, but because Satan's not through with us either. As long as we're here, he's going to tempt us. But God is here, and he says, I'm going to lead you to the path of righteousness. I can greatly sympathize with those of you that find it difficult to trust in God when you're going through adversity. When you're going through hurt, when you're going through uncertain days, you don't know what another day's going to bring forth. And you find yourself obeying God because he says, obey him. But if you were honest and nobody knew what you were thinking, the thought would enter your mind. But can I trust him? Can I trust him? Only trust him. Only trust him. He will save you. And he'll save you now. You know when you're going down? When you quit trusting God. When you say, I've gone down for the last time. I'm not going to try anymore. You're finished. But when you say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. God, if your timing's not my timing, I'm going to wait on the Lord to renew my strength. And one day I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles. I'm going to run and not grow weary and I'll walk and faint not. And I want to challenge all of us today to do this. God's word is rational and reasonable when you understand the heart from which it comes. And the circumstances in which we are dealing with, it doesn't seem reasonable. It seems irrational. I just don't understand how God would do that. We can't understand God, but we can trust him. We can trust him. And by the way, it's just as important to trust God as it is to obey God. He wants us to trust him. He understands when we have difficulty in obeying and his patience gets him through those times. But the quicker you can get through them and I can get through them, the better it's going to be for us, for others, and for the kingdom of God. Don't defy God's authority. Don't disobey God. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. You know what a huge number of people do? The first time they get into sin trouble, they leave God, they leave the Bible, they leave the church, and they go out after the gods of this world and the people of this world. First thing they do. They think if I can just protest going to church, then I'll feel better about it. God misses you when you're not here. You know why? Because he had something for you. Did you ever show up with a gift to give somebody and they didn't show up for it? I mean, what did you do, get mad? No, you first had a pity party. And you said, well, if you'd have been here, I'd have given you such and such. But that's you, that's you, that's okay. I know how you are. I know how you are. Don't go there. Don't go there. The psalmist said this in the 78th Psalm, verse 19. Yea, they spoke against God. 
They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock. The waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was wroth. Now, if you don't know that word, W-R-O-T-H, it's a good one to know. If somebody says you are wroth, that means you're angry. But listen to what he says. Therefore, the Lord heard this. He was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. You want to make God mad? You say, yeah, I would. I'm, I'm big enough. I'd like to make him mad. I can tell you how to do it. Just reject his son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior and literally spit in his face and say, there's no way under heaven I could believe that, that one man could die on a cross 2,000 years ago and even come out of a grave three days later and be anything personal to me. You can choose that route if you want to, but there's nothing breaks the heart of God more than you believe there's salvation in something else other than Jesus Christ. And that means your good works as well. A lot of people reject Jesus and decide, I'm going to make it on my good works. I'm, I'm just going to pray a lot. I'm just going to do a lot of good deeds. I'm going to be faithful to charity. I'm going to serve at the church. I'm going to do this and that. No, you got to trust God. you got to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And don't ever question the decisions that God makes in your life. If we live, we live in the Lord. If we die, we die in the Lord. God makes a choice. But as long as I'm walking with God and you're walking with God and we know that God loves us, then all things do work together for good. They're not all good, but they all work together for good. And we're just going to trust him. We're just going to trust him. Very briefly, I want to give you a couple of helpful thoughts. Number one, we must always view our adverse circumstances through the eyes of faith, not sight. Don't imagine. Trust him. Look through the eyes of faith. I know your promise, God. I know you're here. I can't find you, but I know you're here. I know you're not going to withhold any good thing from me. I know your grace is sufficient. I know this. I know this. I know this. And so the, the, the thought is, look at things through the eyes of God. Look at these things through the eyes of Jesus and watch what happens. In Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't always make sense. Doesn't always make sense. But that's what God says for us to do. The Bible says God is sovereign. He has infinite wisdom and he is perfect in love. He is love. A scripture in Lamentations gives many people problems. Third chapter, verses 37 and 38. Who is he that speaks and it comes to pass? When the Lord commands it not. Out of the mouth of the Most High proceeds not evil, but good. You remember what um, Pilate said to Jesus? Do you remember how strong his words were have you ever visualized that picture when Pilate looked at Jesus and said to him do you not know that I've got the power to destroy you can you imagine the gall of a human being saying that 
Do you think that, that Jesus said, oh, no, I didn't know, Pilate, who are you? Oh, 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 you got elected by the party. Oh, okay, uh-huh. Yeah, so you got more votes than, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, I'm just scared to death of you, Pilate. If God didn't have a sense of humor, Pilate would have probably had a rough day that day. Really, really bad. I mean, you're talking about an arm wrestle. You want to arm wrestle me? And he'd have probably thrown him to the next planet. But see, that's the way we are. We're just as obnoxious as Pilate. We do everything this book says don't do. Touch not the unclean things, and we touch them every day. Don't use God's name in vain. We do it every day. Don't abandon my church. We do it as a lifestyle. We do everything, and we're saying like Pilate, you don't think that I can destroy you, God? You think that you have power over me? And if God wasn't a God of grace, he would wipe us off the planet like that. But God loves us unconditionally. Aren't you glad? You know, all of us have had friends in the past that didn't love us unconditionally. If you go look in your book, they're not in your friend's book now. And you didn't take them out until they told you to take them out and said, take my name off of your friend's list. I'm not one anymore. But Pilate thought that was real smart, what he said. But over in that John 16, 7, he said, I can free you or I can crucify you. Jesus said, no, you can't. He didn't have to tell him. He just showed him. John 19, 11, Jesus answered in this way. He said, you could have no power at all against me except it's given to you from above. All power is given to him. Who's going to win all that's going on right now and whatever subject you want to talk about, the one that has the most power? Well, who do you think's got the most power? He does. He does. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Jesus experienced the sovereign power of God. And rather than be offended by God's sovereignty in both good and evil, the believer ought to be comforted by it. We ought to be comforting today. He's got the power over death. He's got the answer to every disease. He has the answer to every problem. And that ought to give us great comfort. And it will if you just let it. King Hezekiah said in Isaiah 38, 17, Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Read about this guy. Read the story behind that passage. That was a big breakthrough to him. He could not believe that God had control of his life like he did. God's sovereignty is often exercised. This is the second thing I want you to remember. It's often exercised in infinite wisdom that's far beyond our ability to comprehend it. There's so many simple things I can't understand. But when we talk about things like salvation, I sure can't understand that. But I believe it. I believe for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then a final word. In order to trust God, you've got to know him in a personal way and in an intimate way. There are people that you know in this life, and you're the only one that knows that about them, other than themselves. That's just a fact of reality. 
But here's what we've got to go away with today. We've got to understand God is love is the greatest passage of Scripture there is. He's love. And that love can take care of every problem we have. Psalms 9:10 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have, for, have not forsaken those that seek you. Can anybody amen that? Is that true in your life? Amen? No, he hasn't forsaken you. He didn't. If you live long enough, you've come through some of those storms, and you're still here. Can you believe that? You were told years ago you never amount to anything. And look what God has done. And so as we go our way today, my question is, how well do you know him? Well, I read my Bible until I couldn't understand it anymore. I think I remember John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, uh, he gave... Uh, his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How much, how much gospel you have to know? Well, I never could understand Revelation such and such and such and such. You know why? Because God didn't want you to understand it. Because if you had understood it, you'd have thought you were smarter than everybody else because nobody understands it. And he knows how you handle information when you think you're the only one who's got it. And you just share it like it's truth. So God does have a sense of humor, but there comes a time when his humor is put aside and he's king of kings and he's Lord of Lord. I close with what Jeremiah said, one of my all-time favorite prophets. Verse 11, Jeremiah 29, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Do you need that this morning? The Savior's waiting. Only trust him. Only trust him. He'll save you, and he'll save you now. You can call us on the number on your screen. You can get up in just a moment and go to the back of this building and leave the crowd. Don't follow people to the parking lot. Don't even follow them down to Bible study class right now. Go there in about 10 minutes later. But go into this big room that's out there in the foyer, back this side of where Jesus is washing Peter's feet, the divine servant that Max Griner had, has made for us. And there'll be people there that can introduce you to Jesus. And if you want to meet him, he'll meet you. But you've got to be willing to repent, which means to turn and go another direction. If you still want more of the devil, the devil's ready to give it to you as soon as you walk out of this building with no hope other than Jesus Christ. Can you trust God? I think you can. Can anybody testify and say, I don't think I can trust him anymore? No. The older ones you talk to, I think one of the reasons that the devil's got the young people running from the old people is because the old people have been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And contrary to proper opinion, there's some things you'll never learn until you experience it. 
But wise people learn from other people's mistakes. Teachers, are you listening to me? Principals, are you listening to me? You've been down the road further. Don't be like the kids. You do what's right on purpose. You follow God. You trust God. And turn your family and your life over to God and turn those students over to the Lord. And let's have a great, great year. But today, today, some of you could go into that room and never be the same again. You could be born again in 10 minutes, maybe less, by just praying. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the Scripture says.